0: Well, today I want to wrap up the series we've been doing called uh, Summer with the Shepherd. And uh, we've been looking at Psalm 23 and just kind of walking through that verse by verse to just discover the richness. That's in there, and if you missed any in this series, again, you can go online and, and watch or listen to those, or we have CDs out there that are free. You can take those too if you still listen to CDs. Uh, those are available, but this, this psalm is so full of the heart of God for us as the shepherd. Uh, we want you to grab that. Today, I wanna to wrap it up with the last verse uh, in Psalm 23 and verse six. We'll throw that up on the screen. I want you to read this out loud with me if you would. Can we? Are we froze? Am I in the right church? <laughs> you notice how you only notice the tech guys when they mess up? Come on, give our tech guys a round of applause. He got it, he got it. I'm not gonna tell you who did that, but his initials are Brent. So, <laughs> All right, here we go. Psalm 23 and verse six. He just walked out. He's done. Read this out loud with me, would you? Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, if you're a note taker, if you keep these notes, I want you to circle that word pursue. I want you to circle that word pursue. When I was camping on this psalm and I was kind of reading through and just asking God to to just speak to me about things that I really need to to catch, Uh, this was one of those things that just really jumped out at me, that we have a God who pursues us. Just sit on that for a second. A God who pursues us. How many of you, along the way in your life so far, have fallen in love with someone that you pursued at least for a while? anybody Anybody done it? Come on, some of you I know you have. Yes, 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 yes. I, I heard the greatest story yesterday. Um, Bobby Higgins uh, celebrated her 80th birthday, and they had a little party in, in the fellowship hall for her, and. Um, as she was got got up to share a little bit, she said that her and Larry when when they first met, Larry, her husband, moved in. He had moved in across the street from where she lived, and she said as soon as she saw him, she knew, oh, I really I really want to go out with these guy, you know, this guy, and uh, and she said every time he would come home, she goes, I would wave at him, and he ignored her. You know, and I don't know if you're if you're kind of wired this way, but that's kind of like saying sick him to a dog. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know you you can do anything, just don't ignore me. So so she kept she kept it up, kept it up. He wouldn't pay any attention to her. So she finally decided I've got to do something drastic to get this guy's attention. So she decided I'm going to steal his car. And so so what she did, she got some girlfriends to help her and they went across the street when his car was parked in the driveway and they took it out of gear and they pushed it down the street so that when he came out, his car was gone. And it was like, what? And then along the way, she told him what she had done. Well, that got his attention. Now it worked because they've been married now 63 years. (laughs) So what am I saying to you? I'm just saying, ladies, if you really want to catch a guy, steal his car. Yes, Steal his car. Well, maybe not. You maybe not want to do that. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, and when this idea of what the psalmist says is, you know, God is a God who pursues us. He keeps coming after us. There is a relentlessness in the heart of God for you. And I just want us to spend some time today. Let's just unpack this together because I want to tell you about how relentless this God in is in his pursuit of you. Are you ready? Here we go. Here's the first thought I want to give you. God will never stop loving you. God will never stop loving you. Now, this is a really important thought because I promise you there are some of us in this room, some of us watching online, we've had people who have stopped loving us. We have had people who said that they would love us and they may have loved us for a while and then they left. There may have been people who promised that they would always hold on to us and you know what? They, they didn't live up to that promise. But God is a God who will never stop loving you. Look at me, don't miss this. And he'll never stop loving you regardless of what you do, where you go, or how you live. You can never get away from the relentless love of God. Um, You know, when I I was thinking about this this week, I thought, you know what, Lord? There uh, There are a lot of mornings I wake up and I look in the mirror, and quite frankly, I don't know that I love me all that much. But God never stops with that love. In fact, look at these passages of Scripture. These are just, these are just so good. Look at Jeremiah 31.3. Read it out loud with me. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, "'I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love.'" With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Again, circle those words, everlasting, and circle the word, unfailing. Listen to how relentless God is in that pursuit of you. It's an everlasting love. You'll you'll never make it go away. It's an unfailing love. It's a a love that won't fail you. In, In a world where people fail us all the time, we have one love that will never go away, one love that will never fail us, and that is our great shepherd our father, our God. I love what he says in 1 John 4. He says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I don't know who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, but sometimes I think sometimes our lives take some pretty dark trails and for some of us, we, we may be sitting here today and we may be watching this and we, we may be thinking to ourselves, Pastor Steve, you don't, you don't know what I've done. There, there is no way that God could love me after what I've done. And you're wrong because God loves you no matter what you've done. And his arms of love are open to you. God stands before you today, regardless of where your life has been, with his arms open saying, just come to me as you are, and let me love you into the kingdom of God. Here is love, not that we chose to love God first, but that he chose to love us first. Um, when Paul was writing it, he, 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 he said, this is, this is the real deal, because Christ died while we were yet sinners, amen? And God has an incredible life for you. Um, I I saw a really touching story uh, in the news this last week. Um, There's a community uh, just outside of uh, Waco, Texas, called Axtail. It's a small community that has a, a really nice playground area. And um, about a year or so ago, um, somebody noticed as they were watching kids play on this really cool playground that there wasn't anything for kids who have disabilities to do. And it was kind of uh, just one of those insightful moments. I don't know whether they saw a kid there in a wheelchair who was watching other kids or, or what was going on. But they, but they realized that, you know what, there are kids who are looking at this and they don't get the opportunity to participate in some of this. And so they, they, went, to, they went to the Baylor uh, School of Engineering and challenged them. They said, couldn't you guys design something that kids in wheelchairs or with disabilities could, could, could be on to, to, have a, to have a time to you know, play like, another, like any other kid. And so the, the engineering department at Baylor kind of took that on as a challenge. And they got their guys together. And they actually, over the course of the year, they drew up something. But they are, they're just engineers. They don't actually make anything. They just design it. And so they went to the Texas State Technical College and they said, we know that you guys have welders and all these people who actually do work. Um, We make designs. Here's what we've designed. Can you make something like this? And so they got sponsors to pay for the materials. And so they, they decided, they got together and they created this really cool thing. And I'd never seen anything like it before. Throw that picture up on the screen. It's a swing that kids who are in wheelchairs, it's actually got a ramp and everything, that they can, they can go up the ramp and they can get on it. And then it, it, you can see they've got straps and things where they can fasten it down. And these kids with, in wheelchairs, or kids with disabilities, they can actually get in this and, and they can swing like other kids are swinging. And when I saw that, I thought, how cool it is that these guys, out of their care and concern and compassion, did something for these kids that they could never do for themselves. They gave them an opportunity at life that these kids never had. And all of a sudden, it hit me. This is what God does for us. Jesus said, I have come, remember, that you might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. In other words, there's this incredible opportunity at life that God offers us that we can never seize on our own. And so God, out of his great compassion and love for us, has provided for us through Jesus Christ a life we could never have without him. Amen? You bet. Can I give you another one? God will never stop believing in you God will never stop believing in you. How many of you have ever had someone in your life say to you, "You're hopeless." <laughs> yeah how many this week <laughs> your spouse this morning, yeah, yeah yeah God's not like that. He never stops believing. I think one of the uh, one of the greatest uh moments in sports uh, happened thirty years ago in 1992 at the Barcelona Olympics. Many of you will remember this if, you're, if you saw it or if you were around then. Um, but there was a, a, a runner, throw that picture up on the screen. That handsome guy, that's uh, Derek Redmond. He was a, a sprinter uh, for the, the British team. And he was running the 400-meter uh, race, which is about, uh, if you think of a, of a track, it's a basically one lap around the track and uh, the, in the opening heat, uh, he actually set a record. I mean, it was, he, he had the fastest time by far in the opening heat, and he was really doing well. Um, the, the, you know, they were looking at his times, and they were thinking, this guy, he's at least going to get a medal out of this, or he's going to perhaps even get the gold. I mean, he was just really racing the race of his life. Um, And then the semifinals, just before the finals, in in the semifinals, when they took off about 100 or 125 uh, meters into this 400-meter run, he felt something snap. And it was his hamstring. Throw that picture up on the screen. And Derek Redman went down on the track. And as he talks about it, he, he said, you know, this, this un, uh, overwhelming wave of grief, you know, hit him because he realized what had happened. But as the other sprinters are now, you know, just rushing away from him, he, he decided, I can't, I can't just lay here. I've got I've to try to finish this. And so he got up and he began to hobble and the medical personnel are coming out. I mean, they're coming out with a stretcher. They're going to try to take him And he's waving them off. And, and he's just determined. But he, he starts first. He's trying to run. And he can't really run. And he's hobbling. And, uh, and then out of, the, out of the stands, this guy comes busting onto the track. And he pushes past security. And he comes up alongside of, of Derek Redman. He puts his arm around him. It was his father. Throw that picture up on the screen. And Derek Redmond's father puts his arm around him and he whispers into his ear he says Derek you don't you don't have to do this and Derek said yes I do dad I've got to finish this race and he said then let's do it together we began this together we'll finish it together and one of the most beautiful scenes in sports is, is watching Derek Redman and his dad make their way around the track, staying in his lane the entire way. And when he got to the end, sixty thousand people standing to their feet, giving the standing ovation for watching this show of courage and, and compassion. It was absolutely amazing. When they got to the end of the race, Derek's father put his arms around him and said, "Son, you're a champion." you're a champion. No matter what, you're a champion. And what's cool is, and I don't know how many of you tracked Derek Redman's life after that or saw, because this was the big moment and everybody looks back on that. But Derek Redman was, was told by the medical personnel that he'd he never sprint again. You know, you're never going to race like this again. The damage is too, too bad. And um, and Derek kind of just, tried, for like two years, was trying to figure out what to do. Well, his dad kept coming alongside of him. And finally, he just said, you know, Derek... You know, you you may not be able to run track, but there are other things that you can do with your life. You know, you've got a great story to tell. You can be a motivational speaker. He said, you're you're an athlete. There are other sports that you can play, and a lot of people don't even realize. Derek Redmond went on after the, he actually became a professional basketball player for Britain. You know, a lot of people don't, don't even know that. And it was all, just get this, it was all because his father never gave up on him. And you know what? Your father never gives up on you. I'll bet there are times you've given up on you. I'll bet there are times in your own life or your own journey of faith where you've failed, you've messed up, and you've been face down in the ground going, I can't believe I did this. Uh, you know, it's over. I- I'm never gonna be able to move on from here. And and here's what you need to know: your heavenly father will never stop pursuing you with his goodness and his grace. He will continually come alongside of you, pick you up, and whisper in your ear, we can do this together. There's a beautiful, a beautiful passage in, in Nehemiah as Nehemiah was looking back at the, at the kind of the track record of Israel and how they just kept um, blowing it over and over again. But listen to what he says. He goes, they refused to obey and they did not remember the miracles that you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and they appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. Read it out loud with me. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them. You did not abandon them. Look at me and God will never abandon you. And if you've fallen down, he is there to lift you up. It, wherever you've gone, whatever your life has taken you, God's grace is greater than all of our sin. I love what he says in Lamentations 3. Read it with me. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. And how many of you are honest enough to admit you need that mercy every morning? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. God will never stop believing in you. He will relentlessly pursue you with his grace. Can I give you another one? God will never stop working in your life. God will never stop working in your life. He just won't quit. One of our passages, I think I shared this last week from Romans eight twenty eight. I love what Paul says. Read it with me, church. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God will will continue to do that. I love Paul in Philippians 1. Read it with me. And and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now, there are going to be times that you, you may not see God, times you may not feel God, times you may not know, Lord, I don't know what's going on, and I have no idea where you are in all of this. But I can assure you, God is always working on your behalf. There's a, a, a great story. Um, back in the summer of 1990, there was a, a, a family in Michigan, a husband and wife and a, a daughter whose brother, older brother had moved to California, and they had his car and needed to get it to him. And it was uh, shortly before Christmas, and they worked out this plan where the mother would drive the son's car cross-country from northern Michigan all the way to California, and the father, who had to work, and would stay with the daughter, and then the two of them would fly to California, and they would all meet up there for Christmas, which sounded like a really good plan. Now, the the husband and wife were were older, and the day before the the trip that the, the mother took, she fell and broke her wrist. And she ends up with this cast that's on her arm all the way up to her elbow. The car that she's driving is a stick shift. So now she's going to drive cross country in this Ford with a stick shift and a cast on her arm. And the husband was really concerned, but she said, You know what? I'll, I'll take my time. I'll try not to drive too far each day. And, and she wasn't going to try to get there in, in a hurry, any of that. So she was just going to, and so he said, Okay. And then, you know, just call me at night. You know, it was back before that everybody had cell phones. And, you know, just call me at night when you get to wherever you're staying and then just let me know. And so she begins her trip. And she starts across country. About the fourth or fifth day of her trip, she's going through Texas. And as she's cutting through Texas, um, She gets really tired, and so she pulls off the side of the road, and she sleeps in her car for about 20 minutes, and uh, then after she takes a good nap, she gets back in, and she uh, remembered that she was going to be staying with some friends there in Texas that her husband and her knew, so she drove to the next exit, and she pulled off at a restaurant, went in and ate, called her friends, got directions to their house, and comes back out to get in her car to head on to where the friends lived. As she's walking to her car, uh, toward her car, this big burly guy is walking toward her. And uh, he looks at her and he says, ma'am, is that your Ford? And she looks at him like, you know, maybe. And uh, she said, he said, no, don't, don't, don't be afraid. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering. He said, did, did you just take a nap on the side of the road a little bit ago? And she's like, dude, what? Do you, <laughs> are, are you stalking me? You know what? You know what's Kind of what's going on? And uh, he said, no, I, I just needed to know if you, were, if you were that woman. And she said, yes, I, I did. And, and she goes, but I'm going to some friend's house. You know, I, mean, I, I got friends here. And he goes, oh, hey, just stay put real second. And he runs back to his truck. He gets on his CB radio and talks for a few minutes. Then he comes back to her and he goes, I'm so sorry. He goes, I must have really freaked you out when I, when I said this. He goes, but you, you, I know you don't know this. He said, but there was a truck driver when you were going through Indianapolis There was a truck driver who came alongside of you and saw that you were driving, that you were elderly, and he said, no offense, but that you had a cast on your arm and that you were driving a stick shift. And when he saw your out-of-state tags, he knew you must be going somewhere. You know, you were from Michigan and you were already in Indiana, but he just wanted to make sure that you got there safely. And so he started following you. And when he had to turn off, he radioed the truckers behind him. And they picked you up and they've been they followed you. And he said, now every day since Indianapolis, truckers have been following you. They, 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 were, they, they noted where you spent the night, and they would call back to other truckers and, and said, keep an eye out for this Ford. And, and each day. And he said, when you were on the side of the road, he said, a trucker drove by and said, She's on the side of the road. I think she's taking a nap. You know, everybody keep an eye on her. And then truckers were going by and they had an eye. He said, but but nobody saw you leave the side of the road and go to the restaurant we've been freaking out. <laughs> he said, we've been, we've been radioing each other going, have you seen her? No, I don't know where she is. What should we do? And he said, we were just about to call the state police. <laughs> and I saw your car at the restaurant. He said, people have been watching out for you. We just wanted to make sure you were okay. Isn't that a great story? Look at me. And that's how God is. You see, this woman had no idea. There may be even times that she was fearful, driving, wondering, you know, I'm out here all alone, but you know what? She was never alone, and neither are you. Did you know that the eye of our God is always upon you? Did you know that the presence of our God is always around you, that his ear is always inclined toward you? You know, I know that sometimes life gets really chaotic And I know that there are sometimes things that happen around us that we really don't understand. Times come, honestly, times when we all go, God, where are you? And here's what you need to know. He's right here. He's right here. He never stops working on your behalf. Amen. Can I give you one more? This is going to hurt a little bit. And... God wants to produce the same goodness and love that we're pursued with. God wants us to produce the same goodness and love that we're pursued with. Please don't miss this. The psalmist says this goodness and everlasting love, this is going to pursue me all the days of my life. But here's what you need to know. God never intends for that goodness and that love and that mercy to stop with you. God wants that to flow through you. Um, When I I mentioned before, when I was preparing for this series, um, I started reading the book Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm by Philip Keller. And one of the one of the statements he makes in there, I just thought was so unreal. he talks about the fact that you can always tell when somebody has had well well uh, managed sheep he said because they leave the pasture land better than it was before and he said, you know sheep are if they're managed right, he said, sheep are really good for pasture land. They'll, they'll eat weeds and they'll eat all of the stuff and he said, they'll, they'll leave it. He said, no, unmanaged sheep will tear the ground up. Unmanaged sheep will, will scar it. Unmanaged sheep will eat it down to the bone. He said, but well-managed sheep, when a shepherd's watching over, he said, they, they do it just right before they move on to someplace else. He said, that's how you can tell when a good shepherd. And when I read that, I thought, oh, isn't that how God wants us to be? He doesn't want just us to experience his goodness and mercy and love. He wants us to express that in our own lives. I love what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5. Read it with me, church. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. When Jesus was talking with his disciples about all that he was pouring into them, he said, freely, you have received, freely give. Just a question. What have you left in the wake of your life this last week? Wherever you've been, wherever you've gone, has the essence of God been left behind you because of the way that you lived and how the Spirit of God moved through you? Can you imagine what this world would be like if we really took this to heart? Can I show you a picture of it? I guarantee you, a lot of you, maybe even most of you in this room, probably saw this video clip. I just thought it was so incredibly powerful. The context of the, of the video is that there's a, The Oklahoma Little League team is playing the the team from Texas in the regionals. And uh, Isaiah Jarvis may have performed what I think is the most godly thing I've ever observed. In a time where players would have yelled at each other, screamed at each other, tried to fight with each other over that event, this little kid from Tulsa steps out to the mound to comfort an opposing pitcher who had just hit him in the head with a ball. Can you imagine if the world witnessed this kind of expression every single day? Look at me. They should. Through us. Paul said, imitate God. Everything that you do. When I saw this, I thought, dear Lord, what what would happen if all of us as followers of Christ would, would leave in our wake the life and the love and the mercy that God has given to us? What a difference could we make in our schools, in our companies, in our community? If this wasn't something that was so unusual and exceptional, that it made national news. What if this became the way that we all lived and simply became the common expression of those who wear the name of their Lord Jesus Christ? God pursues us with a relentlessness. We ought to be leaving something behind. Amen. I've asked Rachel to uh, lead us in a a song. It's one of my favorite songs. It talks about the goodness of God, and it reminds us that God's goodness never stops pursuing us. This morning, if you've not opened your arms to the love of God, I invite you to do that. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God <coughs> will wrap his arms of love around you today. I invite for those of you this morning that maybe, maybe you've, you've started and you've fallen. And maybe you've failed. Maybe you've been struggling to get back up off the ground. Hear the words of the Proverbs that says, Though a righteous man falls seven times, yet will he rise. God has not given up on you, He believes in you. Don't you dare give up on yourself. And I, and I appeal to you, some of you are, are walking through places. You're going through difficult times and you're going, man, is God anywhere around? Oh, yes, he is. And I just invite you today, open your heart and just say, Lord, I need your presence to draw near. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Let him express himself near. And I invite all of us today to say, dear God, you have pursued me with an unbelievable love and mercy. Would you help me to leave some of that wherever I go? Make these your prayers today. Father, if we had a thousand lifetimes, we could never thank you enough for your endless pursuit of us. Your love and mercy chase us all the days of our life. How we thank you. Now, Lord, I, I pray, I, I, wherever we are on this journey of life, Lord, I, I pray that we would stop and just open our hearts and lives to you, that we would let you embrace us by your love, that we would let you put that arm of, of grace around us and pick us up from where we have fallen, that we would hold on to you with hands of faith and know that even when we can't feel you or see you, that you are near. Lord, I pray that we would... Just bask in the love and daily mercy that you provide. So much so, Lord, that it just makes its way through our life. Or this week when I kept going back to this message, I just kept thinking about what, what would it be like if, if people who really follow you, if if every day of our lives, if we just left a trail of who you are every place we went, maybe people would come to know that You're pursuing them, too, with that love and mercy. Help us to be imitators of you in all that we do as dearly beloved children of God. In your precious name we pray. We give you thanks. And everyone said, amen.